Welcome to As I Live and Grieve, a podcast that tells the truth about how hard this is. We're glad you joined us today. We know how hard it is to lose someone you love and how well-intentioned friends and family try so hard to comfort us. We created this podcast to provide you with comfort, knowledge, and support. We are grief advocates, not professionals, not licensed therapists. We are you. Today we are speaking with Beth Castrodale. Beth worked as a newspaper reporter until her love of books led her to the publishing field. She was a senior editor at Bedford St. Martin's and is the founding editor of Small Press Picks. Her short fiction and essays have appeared in numerous publications including Live Write Thrive, Printer's Devil Review, The Smoky Blue Literary and Arts Magazine, and Writing and Wellness, which featured her article How to Write Your Way Through Loss and Grief. Her debut novel, Marion Hatley, was a finalist for a Nielsen Prize for a first novel from Southeast Missouri State University Press, and an excerpt from her second novel, In This Ground, was a shortlist finalist for a William Faulkner William Wisdom Creative Writing Award. Her latest novel, I Mean You No Harm, is forthcoming from Imbrefex Books. If you sign up for Beth's email newsletter, you'll get a free copy of her novel, Gold River. Hi, Beth, and welcome to As I Live and Grieve. Now, I expect there may be some in our audience that are asking themselves why they're even listening to a podcast that mentions writing. Please, listeners, hang on. Don't leave. Just listen and ponder, if you will. One of our goals is to offer you, our listeners, options, things you might consider trying to help you as you adapt to living with your grief. Today's focus, then, is on writing as a means to help while grieving. I personally find writing my personal thoughts and feelings cathartic. Many times it helps me. And yes, there are pages that no one else sees. Before we get really started, though, Beth, would you please offer our listeners a bit of your background as a writer? And could you also include and mention the article from the Writing and Wellness website that brought you to our attention? Sure. And first off, thank you so much for bringing me on your program. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. And to talk a little bit about my writing background, I would say that from pretty much the time that I could write, I started putting stories to paper. And as a child, I remember making up my own books that I hand illustrated and staple bound. And I always had the writing bug. And um, eventually in college, I studied journalism, but I, I enrolled in my first fiction writing workshop and started writing stories and getting feedback on them. And that kind of continued. And I always had it in the back of my mind that, you know, I, I think I'd like to write a novel or at least try. And I kept at it. And, um, you know, over the years, um, you know, did a lot of writing and revising and getting feedback. And I had, you know, the usual setbacks that writers face with, you know, namely, you know, a good amount of rejection. But a number of years ago, I, I faced sort of a, a setback I'd never faced before. And that Within four months, um, both of my elderly parents died and, um, you know, their deaths weren't unexpected, but it hit me really hard. And I was in the middle of a novel at the time that I, I, I just had to put it aside. I wasn't able to concentrate. I felt like the novel felt really trivial in the face of my grief. And so 
I set it aside, but the thing is, I, writing has always been so important to me. And it's one of the things that when it's going well, it's one of those things that really makes life worth living for me. So I began thinking, you know, what are some ways that instead of letting grief get in the way of my writing, I can maybe let it be the subject of my writing and work some things out. And I ended up doing some short works of fiction and nonfiction that helped me process my grief and deal with my emotions. And I found that in the end, I actually was able to turn back to the novel and finish it and get it published and so on. Um, but what I, um, in terms of the, not the article that you mentioned, I thought, well, why don't I try to get some of these thoughts down that might help other people? And I shared some of my own experiences, but also did some research into what um, psychologists and researchers researchers have found about writing and grief and what are some other approaches beyond the ones that I tried that might be helpful. So that's kind of brings it around. Good. That. Beth, many therapists suggest that to their clients that they write by keeping a journal. So I think we should start with journaling. Help us out and tell us how or where to begin. Mm -hmm. So sure. So one of the types of journaling that a lot of folks are probably familiar with is something called open-ended journaling, where you open up your computer file or journal and you just kind of share your thoughts, whatever you're struggling with at the time or day, you just spill your thoughts and emotions onto paper. And that can be incredibly cathartic and useful. But um, two psychologists, Wendy Lichtenthal and Robert Niemeyer, have actually found that um, a different approach called directed journaling can be even more helpful, specifically with people who are dealing with grief and the emotions surrounding it. And directed journaling is um, a couple of, one of two approaches. And the first one is called sense-making journaling, where you respond to some questions and prompts that help you make sense of your grieving experience and the emotions right. around it. So in sense-making journaling, a couple of the prompts that are recommended are how did I make how did I make sense of the death or loss at the time? And how do I interpret the loss now? And so that helps you reflect a little deeper into the emotions and, and get in there and sort of process your emotions a little more thoroughly. So in benefit finding journaling, as the name suggests, you look for positive aspects of the loss. And you might reflect on questions like these. Have I found any unsought gifts and grief? And what lessons about loving or living has this person or this loss taught me? So again, that helps you reflect a little deeper and process things and, um, you know, engage with, with what your emotions are a little more deeply. It definitely helps to have an idea to write about. Like, I'm not a writer, so I wouldn't know where to start. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you have any special tips for those of who, who don't want to write, um, don't think they can write or might even be fearful of what they might put on the page. Yeah, I was, I think you, you started to get at it right there, Stephanie, and that I think it really does. If you feel that way to have prompts, you know, refer to some of the, the prompts that the, the researchers recommend and, and folks right. can refer to the article. They're, they're mentioned in the article if people want to go in and try some of those prompts. So I think that's a big thing. Um, I'd also think that, you know, when you're doing writing like this, one of the things you can bear in mind is, you know, this writing is just for me or it's just between me and the person I lost. Right. And, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect writing. In fact, no writing on this earth is ever perfect. So if you can kind of you know, like shut down your internal critic a little bit and just kind of set yourself loose, I think those kind of things can be helpful. That might be hard for me. <laughs> Shut down my inner <laughs> critic. Ah. 
So other than journaling, what writing might be considered to help someone grieving? Yeah. So um, I would say if the absence of the loved one is feeling especially acute, or if you're having regrets about something you did, did or didn't say to them, something that you might try is writing a letter to them. And that can provide some insights and comfort. And um, actually, that one of the, the psychologists I mentioned, Robert Niemeyer, has um, talked about this. And I'm just going to read a quote from him. He says, the most therapeutic letters appear to be those in which the griever speaks deeply from the heart about what is important as he or she attempts to reopen contact with the deceased rather than seek closure in the relationship. And that reminds me of a wonderful observation that one of the guests on, I believe in your third episode, Dr. Bill Webster said about grieving. And, you know, he said something so profound. I thought about when someone dies, that doesn't mean that our relationship with them ends. And in fact, it evolves. And I just want to share a quote from him. He said, it's no longer a relationship of presence. It's a relationship of memory. And I think writing letters can really help us engage with those memories and and strengthen that relationship. And um, for prompts, um, I'm going to refer to a few of the prompts that that the psychologist Robert Niemeyer has recommended. A few of them are, what I've always wanted to tell you is X, or what I now realize is X. And the one question I have wanted to ask is X. So that can kind of get you started and get some of your emotions rolling. Another type of writing that you might consider is a mini memoir. So that might be just, you know, briefly reflecting on the person you lost or memories or your emotions around this. And some people do this through social media on, you know, Facebook. They might write a tribute to someone who's just passed that's really close to them and share memories. And, you know, that gets some other people who maybe have never met this person responding and reflecting their their own emotions. So, or you might write a journal entry or a little blog post or something like that. Those are other ways of doing it. And the last type of writing I'll mention is creative writing. So you might write, say, a short story or a poem that kind of uh, reflects on the, you know, explores some of your your emotions and, and tries to make sense of loss. And um, these might or might not be based on direct personal experience. To give an example, after my parents died, I decided to write a short story that was set in an assisted living home that was inspired by the one in which they spent their final months. But I decided to take the point of view of a nursing assistant because I thought that would give me a little more, a different perspective on on the experience. And the nursing assistant was dealing with a patient who she had lost that she really cared about. And she was dealing with some struggles in her own life. And that gave me just enough distance and perspective. And it also was, um, I didn't really think about it at the time, but I was so grateful for all the caregiving, the wonderful caregiving that my parents got. And I was kind of a way of expressing gratitude for that caregiving. So Right. That's, that's great. It's great information. And I can really see how writing prompts might help someone who's reluctant to write because all they're doing actually is answering a question Mm -hmm. or responding to something something and at Mm -hmm. the same time i can see also how writing something down could also be important for your family because it's entirely possible that you could write about a particular memory about your loved one and years later grandchildren or great-grandchildren even 
might read that as well and then have a better sense of who that person was. So I think I understand completely the people that say, oh, I, I can't write. And it's usually because they're uncomfortable getting started or they've got that inner critic <laughs> <laughs> living in their, in their head. And I know, you know, I have an inner critic too, but I, I do, do know from my own personal experience that writing can make you feel incredible. And it can also really purge a lot of emotions if you need it to. You could do whatever you want with that document after, even shred it or destroy it. But I would strongly encourage anyone, if you do write something down and you think you don't want to read it again, fold it up, tuck it away and leave it. Because someday you may want to go back and refer to it and just see, do you still feel the same way? Have your feelings changed? Has time moved on? Okay. In your blog post, you mentioned writing can give you a small triumph over pain. I love that phrase, but can you elaborate for our listeners? Sure, sure. So um, I, I, that quote actually came from a, a wonderful piece on memoir writing that I, that I read by Tara Dupra. And I kind of thought after I read her piece about what did that small triumph for me mean? And I think one of the things was one of the things we previously discussed is that, you know, just feeling anytime I'm writing about someone I lost and there's just that spark of reconnection, that's definitely one of the, the, the gifts and the triumphs. I'd say that in the way that it's helped me come to terms with loss, that that's definitely a triumph as well. But I'd also say with any type of writing, not just the writing connected with grief, I think that, um, you know, sometimes you find just the, if it would feel like just the right words to get across with a, an emotion or something you're trying to convey to the page. And, you know, just there's that feeling of like, yeah, that's just right. I mean, that, that it feels so great. And I feel like that's one of the reasons I've kept it writing all these years, because those little moments where you feel like you captured something that you've been struggling to convey. Yeah. Were you reluctant at first to start writing about any of your grief? Or since you're, since you always write, were you just like, this is what I'm going to do? <laughs> you know what? It's, it's interesting that you said that, Stephanie, because I think what I was reluctant to work on was the novel I set aside. And that's one of the reasons <laughs> right. I wrote about grief because I thought, gosh, I'm focused so much on this, this grief I'm dealing with. And it was almost a relief to be like, Ah, oh, no, I can, I can write about something that's been getting in the way, you know? So in a yeah. way, that was one way that maybe that's a good suggestion overall. If <laughs> Sometimes, you know, when I clean that, like, I like, why don't I scrub the bathroom? Cause I don't want to do this. Right. <laughs> so, You'll you know. never hear those words from my mouth. <laughs> why don't I scrub How the about bathroom? let's order out? Cause I don't want to clean the kitchen after. Exactly. That's, that's, that's I do that one too. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah. My favorite thing to make are reservations. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now, once you have words down on paper or on your computer screen, and either way is perfectly okay, whatever you are the most comfortable with. I know I have heard people say, I want to do it on my computer, but my brain goes faster than my fingers can. Mm -hmm. And then I know, again, from personal experience, if I start with pen in hand and a pad or a journal, I can start writing and I have the prettiest handwriting you've ever seen. By the end of my writing, I don't think even a doctor would feel comfortable <laughs> with that, that writing. So either way is fine. But once it's down on paper, 
a lot of people expect you, if they hear you say, oh, you know, I sat down and I wrote a little bit about my mom. Oh, can I read it? Are there expectations that you share what you've written? And can you think of any etiquette around this when someone says, can I read what you wrote? That's a great question. I think kind of reflecting back on something I mentioned previously, I think that that personal writing, as opposed to writing that, you know, you have to do at the workplace or an academic setting, that that personal writing, you know, you get to make the call on whether you share that or not. And I, I feel like you're perfectly, you have every right to say, if you don't feel ready to share it, say, you know, I just don't feel comfortable doing that, or I'm not ready to do that. And what I might also say is that um, if you do get to a place where you do feel like you're ready to share, maybe just think about what you do or don't want from the person who's reading or listening. I mean, maybe you just want them to listen, and maybe you just want them to, you know, say a word of support or um, whatever, but you're not ready for a critique. And if so, it may be just Think through that and, and tell tell someone if like, okay, can you just listen? I don't really, you know, I don't, I'm not looking for any comments right now, but, you know, just kind of right. share that with them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's your heart pouring out. So mm-hmm. you don't really <laughs> let them know ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. Just listen. That's all I need you to do. <laughs> right. Exactly. And in my early writing days, when someone would say that, I know one of the things I found I could say without really making myself look too assertive was I'm not finished yet. Mm. I don't want to share it until I finished it. And that kind of gives you a, "Mm, you haven't really said no, because your opinion may also change. The other thing I want to comment on, because my next question is going to be about writing groups. Writing groups for me can be good or they can be not so good. They can be very, very helpful or they can make you feel like you never want to write another word again. So I just kind of want to mention from my own perspective, and I have led numerous writing groups around different topics, and I have taught some classes on different types of writing and the descriptive pieces and little pieces that can add a little extra oomph to something you have written. One of the things I found early on when I participated in a writing group And it was actually listed as a critique group because I wanted feedback from professionals. I wanted to know, is what I'm putting on paper worthy of anything? I had in my mind, I definitely wanted to be published at some point. That was my end goal. And I remember going to this group and my first piece that I shared for critique, they took it home and came back the next week and everybody's got their notes. And I was taking down all the notes and everybody had something to say about my writing. Everybody had something to suggest. Everybody had something to offer. And it suddenly dawned on me at that point. They were making changes. They wanted me to make changes that fit their style of writing, that fit their voice, not my voice. So from that point on, anytime I had anything I wanted to critique on, I found readers. I found a book group people that read because they enjoyed reading. And those were the people I trusted with my writing that I wanted eventually to do something with. So I would just cautionary disclaimer about writing groups. If you're not comfortable in the one you found, find another. Now, that being said, how do you, Beth, feel about writing groups? Do you think they're helpful? What can be gained? And if you want to do some writing to help you through your grief, Should you look for a grief-focused 
group? I just want to say, Kathy, that I just, I wholeheartedly agree with everything that you say is be really thoughtful about, you know, if, if you try out a group and it's just not working out for you um, to really pay attention to that and keep looking because it's so important. And, you know, I, you know, to kind of start to respond to your question, I do think writing groups can be incredibly helpful. I think that um, they, they really help me, you know, get strength in my writing and get it ready for publication. But that said, like you, you have to look for the right fit. I mean, one, one of the things that happened, this was years ago. I mean, I think my first writing group I joined was maybe 30 years ago. A few of us, we'd gone to a Boston Center for Adult Education fiction writing workshop. And a few of us just really clicked. You know how sometimes you're in a room of people and they're responding to your writing and there's just a few people that, wow, I feel like we get each other's writing. Right. So we kind of split off after the class and started meeting up. And I think one of the things, you know, so with that group, you know, we got great feedback. But another thing that I would I would say that's a real benefit is that it's just the support. I mean, I feel like when you're when you're sending your writing out in the world, or you're, you know, you're, you're getting rejected. Um, maybe you're dealing, you know, you have stuff in your own life that's difficult. It's just kind of a great social bonding thing that you know you're all there for this purpose, and it's a, it could be a very strong bond. And you know, I've actually had some lifelong friendships that have grown out of it. So I'd say from the social support aspect. In terms of um, a grief-focused writing group, I think that's a fantastic idea. I think for the the social reasons I mentioned, but also I think just really being able to have folks who are wanting to, you know, they're dealing with some of the same issues and processing some of the same emotions. I think that can be really powerful. And, you know, I think just, um, you know, I I can't say for sure, but I'd like to think it would be a little more respectful treatment of people's writing when they're dealing with some really difficult stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I know any of the groups that I have facilitated um, for writing groups and we've used props. We used to do a session called writing aerobics and these were all fun props. They were just sometimes crazy, wacky things Um, might be to write about, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg, give me your version or why did the chicken cross the road? Something like that. Just something flighty and fun. But I would always say to them that we'd go over some group rules. And one rule was that you do not have to ever share what you've written, ever. It's not required because this is not a class about how to write. And if you do share it, everybody else must not offer any suggestions about fixing it. They can make any other comment they want, like they wish there had been more description or whatever like that, but nobody can make a suggestion about how it should be changed or improved. And then, of course, I was the grand marshal and had to enforce that, but I found a lot lot of people then were more comfortable sharing because they weren't afraid of what they might hear. I think that's so such a good suggestion, you know? Yeah. I have a question going back to talking about the difference between you're both writers. So mom, you talked about writing in a journal and your handwriting. Do you prefer to um, use the computer? Is that more comfortable for you? Well, let's just say that my favorite place to write would be in the woods, maybe on the edge of a stream or a small body of water on a huge flat rock with the sun out. So in that respect, I'd probably have a pad of paper and a pen. But if I'm going to write at home Mm -hmm. or go to the coffee shop or the library or some environment like that, it's going to be on my laptop. Mm -hmm. How about you, Beth? What are you more comfortable with? 
First of all, I love that idea of just that you're the outdoor setting you described, Kathy. I mean, I've, I've done that. It's funny. We have a, um, where I live in, in Boston, we have a big, um, body of water. It's a pond, but it's more like a lake. And sometimes if the weather's nice, I like to, I do like to go down there with a pad of paper and write, but I ha- I'd have to say that, you know, I would say 90% of the writing I do is on the computer. Every now and then, yeah. if I want to go outdoors, I, I take a pad of paper and right. do that. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing too, it depends on what I'm writing. If I'm writing because of an assignment or a job or something I, you know, want to have published or I want to market or something business related, it's going to be on my laptop and I can type pretty fast. So my brain goes pretty fast, but my fingers can almost keep up. Mm-hmm. But something that is, I'm, if I'm going to pour my heart out, like when I started writing my book, Stephanie, yeah, I started with a pad and paper. Okay. That's how I started. Yeah. And that, you know, as you know, that came right from my heart. So, so I think if, if anyone out there is going to try to start writing, maybe they should, I mean, I'm not a writer, but I feel like I would go to the bookstore and find myself a cute little journal and <laughs> start handwriting. But then I would probably change to the computer just because if I'm going to make a mistake, I want it to still look neat and tidy. So, <laughs> but yeah, yes. I mean, everybody can probably give it a shot. Try both and see what you're more comfortable with. Because right. I mean, either is portable. If it's nice outside, go sit outside in nature and start jotting things down or even ideas. And then later you can go to the computer and finalize the ideas, maybe. Yes. The only rule I think for something like that I would recommend is, yes, if you do use a journal, it must be a pretty one. Yes. (laughs) And it must be one that you yourself have picked out or maybe been gifted by a very special person. Well, or if it's a man, he might want a nice leather one. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, but make sure it's, make sure it's something that makes you want to pick it up and open it. Right. Um, and I know I have a journal that I bought. Actually, I bought it when we were in Oxford, yep, Maryland. Yep. And it's a hand-bound, leather-covered journal. I've not written a word in it because I don't want to ruin it. But it looks nice. <laughs> it looks nice. <laughs> looks nice on my desk. Yeah. And I mean, I have, there's a silly side of me for writing as well. And I love, I love quotes in general. So I do have a collection of writing quotes. One of my favorites, and I'm paraphrasing these and can't always remember who said it, was that as far as the writing process goes, I love to have written. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's when it's all over with that I feel my best. <laughs> In the middle of it and struggling for the words, that's work. And sometimes it's painful. And another one is that you can tell if your writing is becoming true to yourself when the blood starts dripping off the page. Mm the other ones so okay Beth it appears I get talking about writing I love to just chat <laughs> it appears that time is almost done for today so before we actually wrap up though I would like to offer you a chance to share with our audience I know that you have some novels out there to be published that are published I think you have one coming up later this year so this is your chance to share with our audience anything you might like Thank you, Kathy. Well, the one thing I, I would mention is that in August, I have a new novel coming out called I Mean You No Harm. And though it's a thriller, it deals with grief actually on several different levels. And if folks are interested in it, um, I believe that my, my bio on your website will have a little link to a description of the book. And um, it will. so folks can get linked to the description and there's actually an excerpt folks can read. And, and if they're, if they so choose, there's some ordering information on that. And then on my website, bethcastredale.com, 
if folks sign up for my um, my email newsletter, they'll get a free e-novel that I, I wrote. So there, the um, I believe there will be a link to that on your website as well. So yes, those are, are two <laughs> things that I'd mentioned. So, yep. but that's, those are, that's pretty much it. But um, I'm just, I'm so grateful that, you know, you, you uh, reached out to me and we were able to have this wonderful conversation. And I loved all of, I loved your quotes about writing. I was thinking about, um, the one that you said about, um, you know, just the, the pain or, you know, the blood dripping, you know, when you know you've, and I think it's so true. I think writing is one of those things that it's, you know, speaking personally, it's one of the hardest things that I do, but it's one of the most gratifying things I do. So there, it's, a yeah. uh, it's a complicated thing, but. Yes, 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 definitely. I, I think the third one that I, that goes through my head all the time I write is from Stephen King's book on writing, which I loved. And I have both a hard copy and an audio book because he narrates the audio book himself. And that one liner is the road to hell is paved with adverbs. <laughs> That's so, a great one. Because he's always saying, you know, there's, if you find yourself using an adverb, a word that ends in L-Y, then you should just look for a better verb. <laughs> so, yeah. It's good okay, advice. Then. <laughs> Exciting news about your book. The link that we will share is a link I found that you can pre-order the book. I already have a copy pre-ordered, by the way. So I'm hoping others will follow suit. I love to read thrillers. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Thanks for sharing that. All of your information for contact and about your website and even the link to the blog post about writing that I originally ran across, we will share all that on our website. And also in the episode notes that will be in every podcast app. The other thing I want to mention is, with all this talk about writing again, and it's something near and dear to my heart, as Stephanie can tell you, that I have been considering starting a grief-focused writing group done through the computer and our website. It would be level of writing experience from that person who is afraid to put pen to paper or doesn't think that they have anything of value to say. It would start there. It would not be to instruct and not to be a critic, but to support and encourage. So if any of the listeners out there are interested, pop over to our website, asiliveandgrieve.com, and send an email and just let me know you're interested. We'll see how many people we have and see what we can do. I would love to support everyone in their efforts, maybe to try some writing. So again, thanks so much, Beth, for being with us today. And to our listeners, thanks for giving us your time. And please, please, please join us next week for another episode of As I Live in Grief. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover? Or do you have a question from one of our episodes? please email us at info at asiliveandgrieve.com and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.